It's the daily podcast practice show for what is today? Thursday, June 10th of 2021. I'm your host, the guy talking into the microphone, Rich Grimshaw. And this this is where I talk into the microphone every day. On average, it's uh, seven minutes and 38 seconds uh, that I sit in the basement and talk into this microphone trying to get better. You know, it's not as simple as it sounds, okay? Now, I'm not complaining and I'm not saying that I'm great, but I'm just saying it's not simple. You got to talk into the microphone, but you you don't just talk. You have to enunciate. You have to emote, right? You, you have to get the words right. And w- when you come across names, they can trip you up. It's real easy to do. We have to focus on timing, uh, focus on delivery. And heck, to begin with, we have to select material that's interesting, topical. It's complex, right? It's not, not rocket science, not brain surgery, not brain science, not rocket surgery. But it's... Uh, It's tough. It's art. That's what it is. It's an art. And I want to get better at my art. So I practice. If you want, you can go over to dailypodcastpractice.com and find out more. Today is, according to nationaltoday.com, National Iced Tea Day. Wow. Okay. Let's, uh, Let's strike up the band on that. I'm not a tea drinker. I'm a coffee drinker. Always have been. Well, not always. I... I guess when I was a lot younger, I would drink tea, especially being somewhat of a Southerner. I spent a lot of time in Arkansas. And then, of course, after high school, I came down to Atlanta, Georgia. And there's tea all over the place down here. Of course, we call it sweet tea. It's not just tea. It's sweet tea. Give me some sweet tea. Or or maybe it's Alabama where they say mostly it's sweet tea. But it's tea. Sweet tea. Iced tea is supposed to be drunk sweet if you're here. And also, if you want... A uh, carbonated beverage, you get a Coke. I don't care if it's Pepsi or Mountain Dew. or You, you just call it a Coke. Give me a Coke. My, uh, my grandmother drank iced coffee during the summertime. A lot. All the time. She was not a, an iced tea drinker. I just remember that she liked the iced coffee. I never had a taste for that. Of course, you go to Starbucks, you can get all kind of iced coffee drinks and iced tea drinks. That's what they're in the business of doing. So, if you want to celebrate today and you've got time... Go over to Starbucks. Heck, even if it's tomorrow, you could celebrate a year and a day into the future. I want to go to gcaptain.com. I've grown kind of fond of this uh, website. I get their newsletter every day. And a couple days ago, there was an article that really got my attention. It's called, well, it's titled, New Ship Will Play Key Role in America's Offshore Wind Ambitions. All right, this was published in Bloomberg or by Bloomberg. June 2nd of 2021. It's written by Josh Saul. And Josh tells us that a Dominion Energy Inc. ship being built to install offshore wind farms will be the first to comply with the U.S. domestic transport mandate with the power company expecting the vessel to play a vital role in the nation's clean energy plans. The ship is expected to be sea-ready by late 2023 and will adhere to the Jones Act the century-old law that goods transported between U.S. ports be carried on domestically built and crewed ships. You might remember the Jones Act from the Colonial Pipeline uh, problem. When that went down and they were trying to get oil from the Gulf of Mexico, the, re- the refineries around Houston, uh, through through the Panama Canal and up the East Coast, there was a there weren't a whole lot of ships that could take it because they had to qualify with the Jones Act and there were some exceptions that were petitioned and granted. So that's where that comes, if it sounds familiar. Uh, the company that's going to charter the $500 million vessel is called Ur- Ursted. <laughs> I 
I guess it's Norwegian. It's an O with a slash through it. I think that's Norwegian. Ørsted and Eversource. Um, they're going to build two offshore wind farm farms that will power nearly a million homes in Rhode Island, Connecticut, and New York, according to a statement on Tuesday. Companies expect it to help expedite installation of wind farms in U.S. waters, which would advance President Biden's goal for, sit down, folks, 300 gigawatts of offshore wind power by 2030. That's nine years away. 30 gigawatts. Wow. Without a Jones Act compliant vessel, installing an offshore wind farm requires staging the materials in Canada or using feeder ships that bring the materials out to the installation vessel, said Dominion spokesman Jerry Slayton. Both, method, them, both methods are slower and more expensive. He said, no, Soren Larson, head of offshore wind research at Wood Mackenzie, says, quote, it's really a huge vote of confidence for the industry, unquote. Well, yeah. He added that building a Jones Act compliant ship shows that there's a healthy pipeline of offshore projects ready to go. He says, quote, it'll certainly help Biden and the United States realize their targets, unquote. Dominion also plans to use the 472-foot ship on its own offshore projects, including its 180-turbine wind farm about 30 miles from Virginia Beach. The vessel is named Shar Sharib Sharibdis. See, I told you names will trip you up. C H A R Y B D I S, which is the name of an ancient Greek sea monster in Greek mythology. Shar Sharibdis. Oompa. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's currently being built in a shipyard in Brownsville, Texas. Here's another quote from David Hardy, Chief Executive Officer of Orsted Offshore North America. He says, quote, A Jones Act qualified installation vessel is a game changer for the development of the U.S. offshore wind industry. This investment will enable us to unlock the economic benefits of offshore wind, not just for the Northeast, but for the Southern states as well, unquote. There's another interesting article out here. We're not going to get into it today. We might try to... Uh, we might try to decipher it tomorrow, but it was about offshore leases. Here we go. The title is, or excuse me, title of the article is First Large-Scale Offshore Wind Farm in U.S. Waters Wins Federal Approval. And there was something else about uh, preliminary licenses or leases for the Gulf of Mexico. I can't find it. It caught my attention. But I'm fascinated by the the wind power stuff. Uh, I think it's kind of neat. I also think I wouldn't like to be anywhere near it. They're kind of noisy. And I don't know, just the uh, the thought of those things turning around all the time <laughs> gives me the creeps. It just does. Uh, but they need to be big like this. You have to have uh, huge propellers and big farms in order to pay for all the infrastructure of, of getting the electricity where you need it the most we're gonna wrap it up right there i'm rich grimshaw and you are invited to join me again tomorrow where we'll read some more stuff thanks for listening <laughs>